The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. Thank you for listening. For more information on Story City, you can find us online at storycitychurch.com or on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Story City Church. Hey, good morning, Story City. My name is John Herrett. I'm Leah's lesser half. Um, I've had the honor of serving at Story City since 2015. And um, it's so exciting to uh, see you all, and I was glad when they said unto me, let's go into the house of the Lord. So, um, firstly, we view the scriptures as the word of God, given through human authors and inspired by God. This is why we invite you to stand for the reading of the scriptures. Go ahead and stand with us. We want to honor the reading of the scriptures of God's word in our gatherings. Secondly, there's an invitation of gratitude in this. Uh, The scriptures reveal God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They reveal who God is and all that he has done in human history. They reveal the gospel and the way of Jesus. The scriptures are useful for teaching us and are useful for correcting us. They are a gift from God. And therefore, just like when we receive any other gift, it's good and appropriate to say thank you. So this morning at the end of our scripture reading, I will say, this is the word of the Lord, and you will, I invite you to say, thanks be to God. Let's try it. This is the word of the Lord. I think you got it. Our scripture today is found in the book of John, chapter 16, verses 1 through 16. I have told you these things to keep you from stumbling. They will ban you from the synagogues. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering service to God. They will do these things because they haven't known the Father or me. But I have told you these things so that when their time comes, you will remember I told them to you. I didn't tell you these things from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going away to him who sent me, and not one of you ask me where you are going. Yet because I have spoken these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin because they do not believe in me. About righteousness because I'm going to the Father and you will no longer see me. And about judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything the Father has is mine. That is why I told you that he takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. In a little while, you will no longer see me. Again, in a little while, you will see me. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Morning, Story City. How are you guys this morning? Good to see you. Morning, Izzy. Stop embarrassing me. You don't know. It's always awesome to have our youth in the front row. They sit here and they are excited. They are happy. It's always fun to watch them worshiping Jesus and... um, Man, I tell you what, I don't know if there's a greater legacy than uh, seeing people who are 
continuing to know and learn and understand who Jesus is at such young age and are passionate about him. We have an incredible youth group. So thank you for all those who serve in youth, and thank you for you guys for being faithful here every week. We appreciate it. So, uh, yeah, we can give them a hand. It's good. Good that they're here and they're a part of things. My name is Jared. I have the privilege of serving as one of your pastors here. We are so stoked to see you this morning. I want to welcome you to the family. Here at Story City, one of our values is that we are both real and redeemed. We are both real and redeemed. What does that mean? It means that we always try to balance faith and failure. That we say our limp is our legacy, meaning that we know the things that God has brought us through allow us to love Jesus and people more fully, more completely, more authentically. And so how do we possibly live this out? We live this out by becoming apprentices of Jesus. An apprentice is somebody who sits at the feet of a master and learns day by day how to do it right and good. And so how do we apprentice Jesus? We start by spending time with him. We spend time reading his word and in prayer, both listening and then talking. We sometimes get that backwards. We do a lot of talking and not much listening, but we have to learn to listen to Jesus through scripture and in prayer. We become like Jesus by asking the Holy Spirit to help us to want to become like Jesus. It's not natural. It doesn't come just by osmosis. We have to say, Holy Spirit, do your work in us. And thankfully, he is doing the work in us because he is good, not because we are good. And so we learn as we apprentice Jesus to love God and to love people, which is what Jesus said in the scripture for we're all about. The good news is we're not in this alone. We get to do this as a family. So there's times where we're going to be challenged. There's times where we're going to be like, I don't know what's happening or what to do. And we have people around us that help us to live out and walk in that life. Amen? amen. All right. Amen. It's just the Christianese word for, yep, I got it. Let's go, which is good. Let's pray and we'll continue on. Father, we want to want you. And I'll be honest, there's times where we don't want to want you. And so we just lay those both at your feet and say, help us to want to want what you want. Help us to truly desire you and your ways and not our own. God, help us to have more faith. We want to trust you, which is when you tell us what's going to happen and we believe you. But Lord, faith is when you don't tell us what's going to happen and we trust and believe you anyway. And so would you increase our faith? Would you help us to be a people whose heart is after yours, who listen well to you and learn the lessons you are teaching us? I pray that we grow in the knowledge and passion for you and for others every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you were just joining us, we are working our way through a series called Centered. And Centered is one that will run through the entire year. We will actually take uh, some steps away from it. We'll come back to it, but you'll see it repeated throughout the year, and so we are excited to do that. But in this portion, we've been talking about God's relationship within the Trinity, and so we've talked about Father, we've talked about Son, we've talked about Spirit today, but how the Trinity itself is the essence of the gospel. We look again at Father, who is the creator, the loving parent who made us to be in healthy relationship with Him as a part of the family. He designed and created the plan of salvation and sent that plan of salvation into motion by sending the Son. We talked about the Son. He is the plan of salvation in action. He is the embodiment of love. He's the sacrifice, the Lamb that delivered salvation through His death and resurrection on the cross. And this week we focus on God 
the Holy Spirit. He is the one that brings us to life and lives in and empowers us to live out our salvation. The Spirit gives us gifts as He deems appropriate to carry out the mission that God has given us. But because God is living out healthy community as the Trinity, we as the church are also called to live in healthy community. Now, John did a phenomenal job of reading the scripture this morning. I want to go back and remind us of the scripture again. You don't need to stand this time. We've done that. I want to, though, just bring this to your mind fresh again. Now, what's happening here is uh, just before the beginning of 16, we have Jesus' conversation is, is actually starting a couple verses earlier. Now, remember, uh, when Jesus is talking, he didn't say, uh, and now chapter 16. He didn't end and say, that concludes this chapter, we'll be going on to the next. We've done this so it's easier for us to study, but we want to always look at Scripture in what we call pericopes. It's, it's the, the flow or the essence of what's happening in that moment. And so this actually starts a bit earlier in verse 26. He says, when Jesus is speaking, he says, when the counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. You will also testify because you have been with me from the beginning. There's something Jesus is doing here, and he's laying out a pattern or flow we'll see momentarily. And so let's go back into our scripture for the day, and we will uh, continue on. I want you to listen to these portions. I've told you these things to keep you from stumbling. So he's continuing on that. Hey, the Holy Spirit's going to come. Why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this to keep you from stumbling. They will ban you from the synagogues. In fact, a time is coming when anyone kills you will think he is offering a service to God. They will do these things because they haven't known the Father or me. But I've told you these things so that when their time comes, you will remember I told them to you. I didn't tell you these things from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going away to him who sent me. And not one of you asks, where are you going? Yet, because I've spoken these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. It's for your benefit that I go away because if I don't, this is important, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. There's an important part of this. This is Jesus talking about the Spirit again. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you will no longer see me. And about judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything the Father has is mine. This is why I told you he takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. So what's happening here? Here's kind of the quick overview. Jesus is saying, hey, look, we're we're coming to the end. And I haven't needed to tell you what's going to come next because I was with you. There wasn't a point to, to kind of explain what's coming. And yet... We're at that point now where it's, in, it's important. It's important that you understand what is going to happen. And he says, this is why. He says, you're kind of actually focused on the fact that I said I'm going away, and you're not paying attention to what I'm telling you right now. You're grieved. I get it. But there's something coming. I'm going to continue to be with you, and I want you to understand this. And so he's trying to walk them through. Hey, guys, listen. This is important. I'm leaving. This is going to happen. Here's what comes next in this relationship. But in telling them this, he also lays out something very interesting, and he gives us a more complete understanding of the way that God works. Everything the Trinity does, they do together. 
The Father initiated that plan and sent Jesus as Savior. Jesus has completed that mission by coming as a suffering servant, dying and being raised to life. He now is at the Father's side advocating for us. Now the Holy Spirit has come to guide those who are apprentices of Jesus. He convicts us of sin and helps us to understand righteousness and judgment in relationship to our new identity in Jesus. But did you notice once again what Jesus has done? He has just equated himself with the Father. He has just declared himself again to be God. And he says, I am God, as also are the Father and the Holy Spirit. He brings us back to the truth of God as three in one. Look at Genesis chapter one. This isn't new. Jesus isn't declaring something that's brand new. Genesis chapter one, verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. Now, the truth is, in church, we, we talk about the Father often. And we certainly hear a lot about Jesus, the Son, but it's almost as if we've forgotten that the Holy Spirit even exists. Pastor and author Francis Chan even wrote a book about this called Forgotten God, because we have, in some ways, been so afraid to talk about what happens uh, with the Holy Spirit because of what might be, right? This is what church does. We, we get afraid of what might happen, and so we start creating rules that say, well, let's back away from that because we don't want to end up in that kind of thing. There's a whole movie made about that in the 80s called Footloose, <laughs> right? Dancing might lead to other things. Oh, my goodness. We can't do that, so let's, let's make these rules farther and farther back. Actually, Jesus addresses this when he talks to the Pharisees. He says, guys, you've created rules you yourself can't bear. Like, what are you doing? The Bible didn't create these rules. He says, God didn't lay these rules on you. You were laying these rules on people because you were afraid of what happened. But the truth is, when we live in what the Spirit tells us to do, it's, it's messy. It's gray. It's hard. It's not always easy to define. There isn't like... All these, everything isn't concrete. There's times in your life where something might be right for you that isn't right for the person next to you. There's times where God may call you to give up something. He says, this isn't for you in this season, and it may be okay for somebody else. And that's hard because as a church, you can't say, well, you know what? It's easier if we just say it's wrong for everybody. And we end up creating something that the Bible says is not what God did. But you can see why we end up doing that. And this is what is being addressed again. And so we've gotten to this place where we're afraid of what might happen and, 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 and we've seen abuses by people who have taken things too far as far as what the role and the job of the Holy Spirit is. In fact, unless we have an experience of the Pentecostal or Charismatic Church or friends, we might even uh, equate the Holy Spirit to just weird or strange experiences, beliefs, or behaviors. And so because of this, many churches do everything they can to avoid bringing them up unless they have to. But guess what? He's a person of the Godhead. We have to. We have to. Now, I want to take a small aside and, and explain something you're like, what does this have to do with the passage? I, I think when I'm done explaining this, you'll understand this actually helps us understand the character and nature of who the Holy Spirit is. And so I want to define the difference or lay out the difference between Pentecostal and Charismatic. I think, again, this will help us understand not only who he is, but how he works. Now, 
To be fair, people often use these interchangeably. They often use these things interchangeably. And so you'll have some charismatic churches that will call themselves Pentecostal and some Pentecostal churches who call themselves charismatic, vice versa. It's there. But for me, the line is fairly easy to define. Charismatics uh, are people, there's, there's actually a, another category. There's people who are called cessationists. Uh, there's some very famous cessationist churches in the valley. Uh, God loves them. They're great people. There's nothing wrong with that. Cessationists say that the gifts of the Holy Spirit were for the time of the early church, and it's ended. The Holy Spirit does not operate in that way any longer, and so those gifts were great and appropriate for the time, but those, uh, those type of gifts do not continue on to this day. That's cessationist. The gifts have ended in being used in that way. Continuationists would say that the Holy Spirit continues to give gifts, and there is a wide range of what that looks like, and so there is a, a, a large family of charismatics, and they, they hit all ranges of the spectrum. And then I believe the next line is the Pentecostal. So let me help you understand this. Uh, Charismatics, again, believe that the Holy Spirit is present in every believer's life. That's really important. Charismatics believe that the Holy Spirit is present in every believer's life, that he continues to operate today the way he did in the early church, that he empowers his church through gifts that help him accomplish the mission God has called him to. Now, Pentecostalism, here's the line. Believe that some Christians have the Holy Spirit and some do not. The only way you can tell if you have the Holy Spirit is that you speak in tongues. They would call this the initial evidence of salvation is speaking in tongues. But let's go back and look again today at verses 13 to 15 of our scripture. It says this, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. Now listen, where does the Spirit get His information? He will not speak on His own, but He will speak what He hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. Where does he get that from? Well, he will glorify me. Everything the Holy Spirit does points to Jesus because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So he says, I, I, the Holy Spirit is getting from me, Jesus. And then Jesus says, what do I get from? I get from verse 15. Everything the Father has is mine. I get from the Father. And so the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and from Jesus. This is the order that comes. The Father and the Son direct the Spirit. You can't have the Spirit without the Son. In other words, if you ever hear somebody say, we hope we're going to uh, come into the presence of God today, the reality is, is if you are an apprentice of Jesus, you are already in the presence of God. You hear somebody say, um, don't do that, or this person has walked away from God, or you might walk away from God. The truth is, if the Holy Spirit resides in you, how do you walk away from that? You cannot walk away from that. You just drag him into your disobedience with you. Does that make sense? There are times when we feel emotionally disconnected from God. That is our emotions. If we are believers and apprentices of Jesus, we cannot be separated from God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let's put this another way. Paul says that we are dead in our sins. If we're dead, we cannot raise ourselves to life. Only God can raise us. If God raises us, brings us to life, then as Paul goes on to say that God gives us the very faith we need to believe, then we have nothing to do with our salvation or our regeneration. The Bible says that we are made new daily. That is not something that we do. It's not a self-help movement. Right? This is not a moralistic gospel where we just try to do better and be better. 
But the Bible says that the more that we are with Jesus, the more that he is in us, he continues to, uh, to, to regenerate, to change, to shape, to mold. The Christianese word for that is sanctification, to make us more and more like him. But if we have nothing to do with that, then we have to pay attention to the fact that it's the Holy Spirit doing that work, not ourselves. Titus chapter 3, verse 5, reaffirms this. It says, He has saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to His mercy. Now listen how. Through the washing of regeneration and renewal by what? By the Holy Spirit. This means that anyone who Jesus has saved already has the Holy Spirit in their life. You cannot lose the Holy Spirit because you do not own the Holy Spirit. But because the Holy Spirit and Jesus, the Father, are three in one, you always are connected to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is, this is why this gets difficult, right? We're going to get into the Trinity next week, but it's, it's hard to understand that there are three persons that, that, that are uh, three persons of the Godhead and yet are one. And so we, in, in trying to relay this, sometimes we communicate this wrongly when we're like, okay, well, you know, the, the, again, this is why we get to things about walking away from God or, or the, the, you know, uh, man, I hope the Holy Spirit will show up. This is a difficult concept, but, but this is what we're talking about. The, the, the Holy Spirit is with us because Jesus has redeemed us and renewed us for those of us who are apprentices of him. Amen? Okay, good. Now, why does any of this matter? It matters because of the verses we read in John chapter 16. Bless you. Jesus says his going away is so the advocate, the spirit of truth could come. The counselor could come. See, the Holy Spirit... Some of you might have grown up in Pentecostal or charismatic churches like me, and, uh, and sometimes the Holy Spirit is often communicated less as a person of the Godhead and more like some sort of ghostly spirit or apparition or the force. <laughs> a couple of Star Wars fans in here. I like <laughs> but he's a person of the Trinity. How do we know that? Because John identifies him as a person using the Greek masculine he, ekainos, in verse 13. The Holy Spirit is presented as a personal being with a self-identity different from the Father and from the Son. But the Holy Spirit is, is, is not just that. He, he's, he makes a distinction. I'm sorry, the Father and the Son make a distinction when talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, separate Barnabas and Saul to me. The Holy Spirit says that. He's also identified as I in Acts 13.2. Now, personal human beings have self-identity with a mind, will, and emotions. There's been a lot of movies and TV shows lately that have uh, explored this idea of what is human, especially when we start getting into AI. And so in addition to having a self-identity with mind, will, and emotions, they have the breath of God in us, which makes us human that we have life. Another quality of being personal is one, you have to have life. Now, I'm not talking about, when I say life, a bunch of options on Friday night. I mean a person, <laughs> you'll get that later, it's okay. <laughs> I 
I mean, a person who is alive and a self-conscious being, cognizant of his existence and the existence of others who also have a self-identity. A will indicates the ability to think, to reason, to choose. The Holy Spirit has all of these qualities like God the Father and God the Son do. How do we know that? Well, listen. The Holy Spirit speaks. Acts 8, 29, 10, 19 to 21, Hebrews 3, 7, Revelation 22, 17. The Holy Spirit has fellowship and communion with us. Philippians 2, 1, 2 Corinthians 13, 14. He can be grieved. Ephesians 4, 30. Has a will. 1 Corinthians 12, 11. Can be insulted. Hebrews 10, 29. And intercedes. Romans 8, 26. Among other attributes of a divine personhood. And so if you're taking notes today, this is our first observation for the day. By the way, if you don't know, when you come in, you can get notes handed to you at the Next Step table. If you missed it, you can always go back to the Next Step table. There's one outside and there's one at the front, and you can take those notes. They will also have going deeper, some areas you can study to go deeper on there. And so this is our first observation for the day. The Holy Spirit has always existed and is an active participant with humanity. The Holy Spirit has always existed and is an active participant with humanity. Now, here are just some of the ways the Holy Spirit worked in the Old Testament. Sometimes I think we think, oh, the the Holy Spirit only came in the New Testament. But the Holy Spirit participated in creation. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. The Spirit gives life to creatures in the earth. Psalm 104, 30 says, When you send your breath, they are created, and you renew the surface of the ground. That word for breath is spirit. The Spirit breathed life into humans. Genesis 2, 7. Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living being. The Spirit interacted with and empowered people to carry out the mission God gave them. Genesis 41, 38. And he said to them, can we find anyone like this? A man who has God's spirit in him. Or Ezekiel 2.2. And as he spoke to me, the spirit entered me and set me on my feet. And I listened to the one who was speaking to me. And Judges 6.34. The spirit of the Lord enveloped Gideon and he blew the ram's horn. And the Abyssalites rallied behind him. The spirit inspired holiness. Psalm 143.10. Teach me to do your will for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me on level ground. The spirit, as Jesus said, would talk about things to come. He has always done that. He prophesied of the Messiah, Isaiah eleven two. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He's talking about the coming Jesus, coming Messiah. That's how the Holy Spirit has always operated and he continues to operate. If you're taking notes, this is the second observation for the day. The church is the temple where God's Spirit resides. The church is the temple where God's Spirit resides. You may ask yourself, what was the meaning of the Pentecost? What happened there? Why was it different from before? When Jesus took on human nature, he became our permanent sacrifice. So we no longer had to offer sacrifices to be in the presence of God. This is the, the, the meaning of the tearing of the curtain in the Holy of Holies in two when Jesus dies. There is this renting of that 
curtain, symbolizing that we no longer have separation between God and us. And so in the same way, the temple of God is no longer a physical place, but it is a group of people. Now, those of you who grew up in Christian homes or those of you with tattoos might have heard the saying, your body is a temple of the... I got some former Christians in here, old school Christians in here. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. But here's the thing. That's a verse taken out of context. Paul, in his letter to the church of Corinth, isn't saying what many people try to make it out to be. He's specifically talking about two things. He is addressing sexual sin and how that specifically impacts and harms us individually. And since chapter 5, has been talking about how if we don't address it in the church, if we let it remain unchallenged. In fact, they were celebrating it. He says, if you continue to do that, that you will actually damage us collectively because we collectively are a church and the temple collectively of the Holy Spirit. The church is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Peter also affirms this in 1 Peter 2, 4-5. He says, as you come to him, a living stone, rejected by people, but chosen and honored to God, you yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. He says we are a part of the temple of God together. The Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that God doesn't change. And so here is the rad part for us. The Holy Spirit is given to apprentices of Jesus, and he still does the same things in us and through us today. When we become followers or apprentices of Jesus, apprentices of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is the one that brings us into spiritual life. 2 Corinthians 5:17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. The Holy Spirit continues to interact with us and helps us carry out the mission Jesus has given us, just like he did in the Old Testament. Ephesians 2, 8 to 10 says, You are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Jesus Christ for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. The Holy Spirit helps our lives point to Jesus, just as he has always been doing. John chapter 13, 34 to 35. I give you a new command. Love one another, just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. There is the community we're talking about. There is the church we're talking about. There is the learning and growing into being who he has called us to be every single day. Okay, so if we can see that the Holy Spirit is a person of the Godhead that we can't ignore, if we can see that he has, is, and always will be part of helping us learn and know how to love Jesus and people because the Holy Spirit points us back to Jesus continually, then this brings us back full circle to the beginning in our talk about what it means to apprentice Jesus. Again, apprenticing Jesus is just the process of learning how to know and love him. Now, to know and love Jesus, we've been given the Holy Spirit to guide us, to teach us, to convict us, to challenge us, to equip us, to encourage us, to illuminate Scripture for us, to help us to listen, to respond, and follow the Father's will as we apprentice the Son. Now, if we want to be a people who learn and know what God is saying, we have to learn and know His voice. Amen? But to know His voice is just the beginning. We need to understand how and when God speaks to us. 
We need to learn how to tell what it is when it's from God and when it's just the burrito we ate for breakfast or lunch. We need to understand what is godly counsel when the Lord is speaking to us or it's just a person with an opinion or when God is using that person to speak to us. How do we do that? We have to create space and practice learning to listen. Did you hear me? We have to make space and practice learning to listen. That's a very difficult thing for us because I don't know what it is about us, including me. That's why I said us. I don't know what it is about us that we get busy and we start doing things and we think somehow that time with God is something that we just have to figure out when we can fit it in instead of being the people that we're about. For me personally, I, I can get so caught up in doing things for God that I forget just to be with God. So here's what we're going to do. I'd like us to take just a few minutes today. Some of you are not good with silence. That's okay. We're going to practice. We're going to take a few minutes today and we're going to ask God to speak to us right now. We're going to create some space right here in the service for us to practice listening to God. Now, here's some helpful tips for you. If you are one whose mind is constantly racing about the things that you have to do and the things that you're thinking of, it helps sometimes to have a little piece of paper next to you. There might even be a card in the seat back in front of you on your note sheet, whatever you want. And as those things come up, write them down quickly so that you won't forget them and then get them out of your mind. That will be helpful so you can get back to focusing on, right? Don't like, write your shopping list, okay? We don't need to know what needs to be on the list. Just write, make a shopping list. And then you can come back to that and do that later. But what I'm trying to do is get you to get those distractions out on paper so you can spend time actually listening to the Lord and get back to focusing on, Father, what do you want to say to me? Don't ask him anything right now other than what do you want to say to me. Don't worry about telling God what you need right now. I just want you to practice listening. Does that make sense? You guys with me still? So we're going to bow our heads. We're going to listen. And then after a short period of time, the band is going to come back up and we're going to play our response songs and have a response time. And at that time, we're going to have some people that are over here by this window. And if you would like some more prayer, they would love to pray with you and help you discern what God is saying. Good? All right, would you bow your heads and pray with me? I'm going to open us up in prayer and then I want it to get silent. Father, thank you for this time. We ask that you would clearly speak to us in this moment. That you would... Break down the walls, that you would tear down the lies, that you would take the distractions away. But in this moment, you would help our hearts to clearly hear you. We ask this thing in the name of Jesus.